It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. One of the things the ranger told us, I will never forget this, at the very beginning of the tour, he said, as you're navigating your canoe down the creek, try to stay in the middle of the creek. If you get too close to the bank and you go underneath these trees where the branches are overhanging the water, he said, snakes like to hang in the trees, and sometimes they will drop into the canoe. (laughs) (laughs) Just another reason not to lily dip. You are directing us into the path of the snakes, Karen. No, I was doing my best. I think I just had it backwards. You know how... You know how sometimes you you pull one way and the boat goes the other way? I think that was yes, my problem. Yes, 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 I do. <laughs> we were heading right for the snakes, the, right, the snake right. trees. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, stories from our journey to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. In today's episode, we're talking about some of our favorite ranger-led tours in the national park system. From Glacier Bay in Alaska all the way down to Dry Tortugas off the coast of Florida, we have been on some fantastic ranger-led tours on boats, in archaeological ruins, in caves, and in canyons. We've learned about bats, wolves, cave crickets, puffins, cryptobiotic soil crust, and where the expression, your name is mud, came from. These tours have been quite an education, and we'll tell you all about it coming up next. All right. We should, we should tell people, just in case they hear some tension in our voices during this episode that we are leaving on a trip like 30 seconds after we finish recording this episode. Tension? I'm not tense. You're not tense? <laughs> I'm not tense. You just s- because I have 17 piles of clothes and, and shoes and, and boots and all kinds of things strewn about the house, there there's no tension coming from me. <laughs> the, the shoes and boots pile gets larger with every trip, I have to say. Well, that's because we're actually heading... From the desert, where it's going to be 110, to some uh, mountainous places where it snowed last week, and it's going to be 28 degrees at night. So we need to bring pretty much everything. We are ready to go. I I think we are getting worse at packing with every trip. We've been doing this for like 12 years. I know. It's because we have found more gadgets and more things to bring, I think. It's getting more complicated because we used to not know what we really needed, uh, and we were unprepared. Now we're sure we don't know what we need. <laughs> we're just bring all the shit we own. But I did get, I did get the truck cleaned up. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Did you find any of my stuff under the seats? I did. You know, every every car and truck has a Bermuda Triangle of trash <laughs> under each seat, and this particular truck has eluded me for the last couple of years. But I found it. Did you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I found. Uh, yeah. On your side, there were French fries and straw skins and <laughs> <laughs> and a chapstick. Which has been under there for, I think, two years. So I put it back in your purse. So you can't tell which one I found under the truck. I was missing that chapstick. I wondered where it went. Yeah, yeah. And enough blonde hair to make a wig. (laughs) Well, I might need that too. Just in case you were looking for that. (laughs) Don't throw that away. So anyway, we we don't have a lot of time. This is going to be like a four-minute episode. So quickly. We actually have a lot to talk about. We have outlined some of our favorite tours. And, you know, ranger-led tours are important for a couple reasons. 
if you go on a ranger-led tour, often you get to see areas that are off-limits without a ranger. And in some parks, the main thing that you want to see, whether it be one of the caves in Carlsbad Caverns or the cliff ruins in Mesa Verde, you have to go with a ranger to see those. So really important to check out all the ranger-led tours that are available throughout the parks. When we started going to the national parks, I didn't real I, I wasn't all that interested in the ranger-led tours because I thought, you know, I just wanted to explore on my own and yeah. see what we wanted to see. But I got to say, looking back and and you put together a really great list of some of the tours we we've taken and we'll talk about those. We've seen some incredible things that we wouldn't have seen had we not been on a ranger-led tours. Yeah. I think one of the reasons you were hesitant to Matt is because you <laughs> are always worried about getting trapped with a, a group of people in a small space where you can't get away. It's a well-founded fear. It's a, it's a well-founded worry. Um, and this has happened. We, Remember? What was that, Mammoth Cave? Yeah. Well, you're deep into a cave. You can't You can't get out. Uh, you have no idea which way is out. Um, and then we had these people right behind us. They talked about the new Taco Bell sauce. The entire tour. I know. I don't know um, how you could talk about Taco Bell sauce for that long, but they did. Well, no, she was expressing her disappointment because they discontinued her favorite sauce and she couldn't get over it. And that's why. Yeah. And still wasn't over it by the end of the tour. (laughs) I I could tell you. So so there's that. Right. But you know what? That has not happened very often. I think for the most part, people who sign up for these tours are interested in in the subject matter and in what they're seeing. And they're paying attention and they're listening to the rangers. So, you know, all that being said, I think that's only happened to us once or maybe twice where some there was somebody annoying that was trying to uh, talk in front of the uh, in front of the ranger. (laughs) Yeah, once or twice. I I remember more more. (laughs) instances than that, but uh, we need to continue. Okay. Before we get started. Yeah, we've already started. Okay. We just want to say that over the last two years, COVID has disrupted many of the park tours. Some were canceled. Some you had to sign up a different way. So we're going to talk about our experiences on these tours before COVID, but things could be different now. So make sure, make sure you check the, the park website for the latest information about what's going on currently. Good advice. All right, so let's see. uh, What's the first tour you want to talk about, Karen? How about Glacier Bay National Park up in Alaska? One of our favorites. Absolutely one of our favorite uh, parks and tours. Uh, We did this very early in our journey to see all the national parks. Uh, And it was a boat tour of the Glacier Bay itself. And it was, God, what was it, like an eight-hour tour? Yes. And you absolutely, the thing you want to see when you go to Glacier National Park, you want to see these massive glaciers. And the only way to see it is by boat. So this Glacier Bay Lodge Tour is an eight-hour tour, and it's the only scheduled day tour that's permitted inside Glacier Bay National Park and Preserve. And one of the great things about this tour is it is narrated by a National Park Service ranger. So there's a ranger on the boat. Our ranger was fantastic, very entertaining, pointed out all the different things that we were seeing. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. In addition to these glaciers, you're surrounded by these beautiful snow-capped mountains. Uh, you could see whales and stellar sea lions, otters, rare birds like puffins. I didn't even know what a puffin was. <laughs> and remember we saw the bear on the on the shoreline? We saw some bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw a, a couple of bears on the shore. And then we also, from our perspective, and they the bears could not see this, but there was another bear kind of up the mountain a little ways coming down mm-hmm. to get these bears out of his territory. Yeah. It was like watching Animal Planet, it was wasn't Animal it? Animal <laughs> Planet from from the boat, yeah. Yeah, also people have seen moose. We did not see a moose. I would have loved to have seen a moose. Uh seals, eagles, and so much more. I mean, incredible wildlife. But we did see a moose while we were in the park another time. Right. Yes. Right. Just not from the boat. Right. Um, And of course, the showstopper is the glaciers. So there's the Marjorie and the Grand Pacific glaciers. And these rise 245 feet above the ocean. And what you can't see is they stretch down another 100 feet below the waterline. 
Yeah, they are really uh, amazing to see. And I believe there was, at one point, we were watching one of the glaciers and, and part of it broke off and hit the water. And you, you don't realize how big they are from the boat, even if, you know, if the boat's trying to get fairly close. And remember the waves from that ice hitting the, the water then hit the boat like three or four minutes later. Yeah, it's pretty amazing how what kind of power those things have. Yeah, and if you've seen pictures of the glaciers in Alaska and that blue, blue color, this is exactly what you will see. It's incredible. And the boat gets fairly close. Do you remember we took a selfie with us and the glacier in the background? It's that picture that you hate that yeah, uh, yeah, Lolly says you look like a Russian spy. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love yeah, that that's picture. that's great, yeah. <laughs> We'll post that no, on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram. We're going to post it. We, yes, we, lost, <laughs> we lost that picture. <laughs> no, we didn't. Okay, so just a, a little information about the boat. It's a 150-passenger high-speed catamaran. It is fully enclosed, and it has an outside deck. So if the weather is bad, there are plenty of, of nice seats inside where you can sit. Now, the thing is... You need to make these reservations ahead of time, as far ahead of time as you can when you know you're going to the park, because it does sell out. Right. Um, I looked up the prices for this summer. That's the summer of 2022. Adult tickets are about $244, and children aged 3 to 12 are $122. So, you know, that might seem pricey, but remember, you're out all day, eight hours. This does include lunch. They feed you a really nice lunch. And we thought it was 100% worth it. Yeah, we absolutely recommend this tour. So check out the Glacier Bay Lodge and Tours website for the the latest information on it. Right. And you can book your tickets directly on there. So yes, fantastic tour in an amazing park. So a very different park than Glacier Bay is Mesa Verde National Park in Colorado. Right. We've done several ranger-led tours there. Yes, and if you haven't been to Mesa Verde, and if you don't know what it is, the ancestral Puebloan people built their communities on the Mesa and in the cliffs of Mesa Verde. So today, the park protects the cultural heritage of 26 tribes, and it offers visitors uh, a peek into this past. Mesa Verde is also a World Heritage Site and an International Dark Sky Park. So if you're going to Mesa Verde, pretty much anything you want to see there is going to be a ranger-led tour, right? I think maybe Step House is the only one that you can just do on your own. But uh, right. uh, you're going to go on a ranger-led tour for pretty much any of uh, seeing any of the archaeological ruins. Now, for those of you who've been there in the past, um, I know when we first visited, there was a self-guided tour to Spruce Treehouse, but they have had continual rock falls along that walkway. So it's been closed for years, and they the website says it will remain closed for the foreseeable future. So you cannot, you cannot do Spruce Treehouse anymore. You can just stand and kind of look at it from afar. So all the tours require uh, advanced ticket purchases. And so for 2022, this year, the tour season essentially runs from May 1st to late October, October 22nd, I think is mm-hmm. what they're saying. Yep. And you can buy these tour tickets only on recreation.gov. We mention that website all the time. And these tickets are available 14 days in advance of the day that you want to do the tour. So again, if you have been to Mesa Verde in the past, it used to be you would go to the visitor center and you could buy your tickets for Cliff Palace and Balcony House and those directly from the ranger. You cannot do that anymore. So we just want to stress if you're going to Mesa Verde, get on recreation.gov 14 days ahead and book your tickets because they will be sold out quickly, very quickly. So we've been on several of the tours. We can run through uh, some of them, some of our favorites. Yeah, yeah. What was your favorite, Matt? Well, one of my favorites is Balcony House. Uh, I don't know why it's my favorite. I, I remember it the most. It's kind of fun. It has a couple of tall ladders that you have to climb up. There's a squeeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a little tunnel you have to crawl through. Everyone likes a good squeeze. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and they talk to you about what you have to do and the requirement, you know, the physical requirements of 
the tour before you go on it. So you don't, you don't get halfway through and then all of a sudden they tell you, oh, yeah, and then you have to squeeze through this hole. Right. You know this ahead of time. And actually, the descriptions are on the website, but I'm just going to read you really quick. I loved Balcony House, too, and I would say if you can only do one, do Balcony House. But here's what the park says about it. This tour is one of the most adventurous in the park and not for the faint of heart. You will scale the face of a cliff via several tall ladders, squeeze your way through a narrow tunnel on your hands and knees, and explore some of the same passages used over 800 years ago. So this is a one-hour tour. That ladder that you climb is 32 feet tall. (laughs) And what else does it say? The tunnel that you crawl through is 12 feet long. And then what I thought was amazing is you climb up this 60-foot cliff face, and they have those stone steps carved into the cliff the ancestral Puebloan people used 800 years ago. Yeah, and I will say that the description you read and that they tell you is accurate, but I never felt like it was dangerous when we did it. I agree. So, uh, yes, yes, you should know what you're getting into, but I thought it was Pretty tame, actually. Yeah, it sounds a lot scarier than it is. So don't let this dissuade you. It was actually more fun than scary. I don't like heights and I I have a fear of falling and I was not afraid on this tour. So we would recommend it. One thing I will say is I think on all of these tours, you're climbing some ladders and we were on, I think it was during our first visit, the young woman in front of us, it was hot, it was summer, she had on a summer dress. I don't remember. I I don't know where you're going with this, but I don't remember. I know, I do. (laughs) People are climbing up right underneath you on the ladder. You're going one at a time, but people are underneath you. So... So you can. So don't wear a summer so, dress. Is that what you're saying? Don't wear a dress. Don't wear a skirt because people can look up and, oh. and they'll get a view. <laughs> so, Thank you for that detail. Well, I'm telling. It's all not the women. on the outline. No, I would. I, I would have. I'm just telling all the women out there wear some shorts. That's oh. what you want to wear. What about so. the guys? Guys can wear. <laughs> well, guys can wear a dress, dress or a skirt. All right. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So really fun tour. A few others that are very popular are the Cliff Palace. That's another fantastic one. And the Longhouse. They're all great. Again, some of these involve more walking than others. So you definitely want to check out, you know, how far you have to hike. Right. We, we could talk for literally an hour about mm-hmm. all of these tours. And we just don't have time to do that. But I have to say, I don't remember a tour I didn't like at Mesa Verde. No. If you like the idea of ancestral Puebloan ruins, the you know cliff dwellings, which, which are super cool, you're going to enjoy any of these. And when you get on and look at the descriptions, you're going to see two others, Mug House and Square Tower House. We have done both of those. Those are smaller group sizes, or at least they were when we did them. Um, they're a little more strenuous, and we loved it because I think on both of those, we had about 10 people in our group, and the other tours were much more crowded, or, you know, not crowded, but more people. So read the descriptions. I would say if you look at the times that are offered, you could do at least three tours in a day, don't you think, Matt? Maybe four. Yeah. Because most of these tours are an hour ish. Now you do have to pay attention to where the tour starts because there's a lot of driving in Mesa Verde. So these tours are not all starting at the same place. So when you're scheduling tours back to back, you want to make sure you have enough time to drive to the next spot. And also if you have two or three hours between tours, just note, there's not a lot to do in the park. Right. Other than these tours, because uh-huh. like like we said, almost all but one is ranger-led, so you can't just wander on your own. So also keep that in mind, because uh-huh. um, if you have a three-hour break, bring a book. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If you can do all five of them, we would encourage it, because they're all different, and they all take you down into these cliff areas where these people lived in their communities and you will get to see kivas and um, you'll you'll get to see where they had their fires because the walls are charred from the smoke and you're going to walk through these places and imagine what life was like for these people seven eight hundred years ago so we thought it was absolutely fascinating mesa verde remains one of our favorite parks and it's one of those places where we've we've been i think four times now we do the same tour, these same tours over and over again because we just love it so much. Right, yeah. Okay, moving on to another completely different <laughs> park, Congaree National Park in South Carolina. 
probably doesn't get as much publicity as a lot of the other parks. Uh, we've been there and we did a canoe tour when we were in that park. Yes, and it was amazing. You know, we have heard a lot of negative things about Congaree. People go all the way there, they do a little hike or two, and they think there wasn't much to it. You want to get out on the water, and this is Cedar Creek, the ranger-led tour. It will take you down this creek through this, like, mystical... The strangest. It's what mystical. It's, it's mystical. It's, I would right? say. It, I was going to say magical, but it's not really ma- magical. Is not, not the right word. But it's but, mystical, though. <laughs> There's no magic involved. Well, because you have this moss draping from the trees, and you have these strange-looking birds that I've never seen before. It is a completely different landscape than we're used to, and the only way you're going to see it is by boat. Yeah, we did this on a weekend, and I think there were some. Uh, park volunteers that helped out uh, guiding and yeah it, it was a great tour it's a three hour tour and you have to be six or older mm-hmm. to be part of the uh, tour and you do have to paddle yourself you have to you get your well, own canoe you have to paddle your own canoe yeah well um <laughs> someone th- in your boat the, has to paddle your own plan. no everyone in the boat has to paddle <laughs> we were in a two-person canoe i was in front i didn't realize I didn't know why we kept running into logs and running aground and until I looked back and you were what 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 do you call it lily dipping you well, were dragging your paddle in the water well, that's and because, steering us into th- obstacles. Well, that's because you told me I was the rudder, and that's what the rudder no, does, right? That was a different conversation <laughs> that we had. had no, actually, had nothing to do with canoeing. What? <laughs> you, were, you were confusing that with something else. Uh, but no, you, everyone has to paddle, and if you're not going to paddle, which you, you should anyway, you don't drag your paddle in the water. <laughs> or, or lily dip. <laughs> so during this tour on Cedar Creek, um, the rangers talk about all the natural and cult- cultural history of the last remaining old growth bottomland forest in the United States. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a bottomland forest. Now, now we know. <laughs> and so you'll see some bald cypress, some... I don't even know how to say that. Loblolly pine? You're the director of research. (laughs) And a variety of wildlife on the tour. So I I have to say, well, we did see some cool owls and other birds. But one of the things the ranger told us, this I will never forget this, at the very beginning of the tour, he said, as you're navigating your canoe down the creek, he said, try to stay in the middle of the creek. If you get too close to the bank and you go underneath these trees where the branches are overhanging the water, he said, snakes like to hang in the trees, and sometimes they will drop into the canoe. (laughs) (laughs) Just another reason not to lily dip. You are directing us into the path of the snakes, Karen. No, I was doing my best. I think I just had it backwards. You know how... You know how sometimes you you pull one way and the boat goes the other way? I think that was yes, my problem. Yes, 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 I do. <laughs> we were heading right for the snakes, the, right, the snake right. trees. Oh, my gosh. It, had that, a snake fallen into our canoe, that would have, that been, would have been it. Yeah, we would have... That like, would have been end times our, right there. <laughs> our journey to the national parks would have ended at number 17 or whatever that was. That's right. I would have gone on to see all the national parks, but you would have, I don't know where you would have been. (laughs) Anyway, it was very fun. There there was a ranger and some ranger volunteers. They were great. Now, it does say that participants should be prepared to lift and carry their canoe and their other equipment like the paddles. Are they paddles or oars? Willing and able. (laughs) They're they're paddles. Okay. And the part. It's the willing part that. that (laughs) Oh, I I was willing. I just wasn't able. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) And the park provides all the canoe equipment, the paddles. They give you a life vest to wear, the canoes, et cetera. So it was great fun. I don't know if we mentioned you book this again on recreation.gov, but I always wanted to call it a swamp, but uh, the park does not like you to refer to Congaree as a swamp. It used to be called a swamp. I know it It, did. Swamp was in its name. It was Congaree Swamp National Monument. Yeah. And the marketing department came in and decided to get Swamp out of the name. 
You were admonished for calling it a swamp. I was. I was. The uh, ranger quickly corrected me. It was very sweet because at the beginning when we were talking to the ranger and we we had mentioned to him that we were on a quest to visit all the national parks. A quest. Yeah. And he said. Mystical quest. And he asked us which one was our favorite. And, you know, we kind of hemmed and hawed um, because, you know, it was hard to choose. And he said, well, after you see Congaree. And by the end of today, after your visit, Congaree will be your favorite national park. And then you told him afterwards that it's now your favorite oh, national I park. I that was the sweetest. He loves his swamp or his, ah, his, uh, there you go. his bottom land. What is it? The last remaining old growth bottomland forest. Bottomland forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So book your tours, recreation.gov. Don't miss the canoe tour. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Okay, Karen, it would not be a Dear Bob and Sue <laughs> podcast episode without talking about Carl's Bad Caverns. I know. Did you notice on the outline I put it third? I wanted, of course, to put it first, but I showed some restraint. I put it third, even though it's my favorite. Now, a lot of you will remember that we talked in detail about Carl's Bad Caverns in every, episode. In every episode. In every episode, but especially in episode number seven. So if you want more information about some of these tours... Go back and listen to episode seven. But we have to say that things have changed at Carlsbad Caverns. Reservations are required to enter Carlsbad Caverns, and you have to buy those in advance on recreation.gov. Used to be you showed up, you got your ticket, you went down to the big room to the self-guided tour. That is not the case any longer. Don't show up to the park without a reservation. We have heard from a lot of people who did not know that. Now, again, that could change, so check the website. And as far as the tours go, currently, the Big Room is a self-guided tour, as is the Natural Entrance Trail. So those are two things you can do on your own. You still need that advanced reservation. But currently, the all the other ranger-led tours have been canceled because of COVID. But they could start up any day. So we're going to go ahead and talk about a few of them that we loved. Okay. And the Big Room is uh, pretty spectacular just in and of itself. And I loved the natural entrance. You know, it's a hike. It's uh, hiking down and hiking back out. We've done it both directions. There is an elevator in the cavern, so you wouldn't have to hike out the natural entrance if you didn't want. If you do nothing but those, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. Hike down the natural cave entrance, do the big room tour, come back up via the elevator if you don't want to hike up. And then, of course, there's the uh, bat flight program, which um, is another thing we talked about in Episode 7, and that's spectacular to see at dusk. But we're just going to mention a few of the ranger-led tours that we loved. And I think the first one we ever did years ago was King's Palace. Remember that one? I do. And mm-hmm. it's and that's good for kids. Um, yes. Although kids have to be four or older. Now, this one is about an hour and a half. It's a one-mile tour, and you go through four highly decorated chambers, and it takes you into the deepest part of the cavern, 830 feet below the desert surface. Decorated chambers. Are those your words? Or No. Again, did you cut and paste from, from, from somebody's book or something? From Do the we? National Park okay. Service website. But that's why they call it King's Palace, because it's very oh, because ornate. Because of the decorated chambers. Yes, decorated chambers. It was beautiful. And I remember it being a fairly easy walk. I think probably anybody could do this one. So if you have you know older people with you, uh, younger kids with you, this, this is a great one for all ages. Older than us? Older than us. Wow. There's fewer and fewer of those around every day, I would say. But you know, another one I love is the lower cave tour, which we got to rappel down. Now, when I say rappel, we we literally rappelled down like a 10-foot rock. Yes, and- Which was a little harder than it looks. 
Well, yes, because there are two rangers on this tour, and they start you off with this rappel. You know, you're you're walking down backwards down the slope, holding onto a rope. And I think the hard thing is, is they want you to lean way, way back. Trust the rope. Trust the rope, they kept saying. And that was kind of scary, because you are leaning very far back. And as as I was watching everybody else go down, I thought, I could probably just slide down this on hill on my butt. Yep. Yeah. I think you could. I, I really do think you could. Yeah, but you wouldn't have learned anything. <laughs> You've got to learn to trust the rope. That's a- And right. we learned all sorts of lingo, like on rope, off rope, mm-hmm. things like that. On so. ladder, off ladder, because what came next was a series of ladders. Now, you have to descend 60 feet. And I, if I'm remembering, there were maybe – there were a couple different ladders. There wasn't just one, right? I don't know. There were, there were a couple of short ones, and then there was a long one. Yeah. And the long one <laughs> descended into the dark. So <laughs> so it may have been 60 feet. I don't know how long it was, but it seemed like it was infinite because I couldn't see the bottom. So like I had no idea where I was going. Right. And we didn't mention this, but on this tour, there is no electricity down in this cave. So we were all outfitted with headlamps. And so you are literally descending into the darkness. And the thing that I thought was a little sketchy was that it's really humid in the cave if you've ever been in there. And these these were metal ladders that were bolted to the wall, but they were wet from the humidity and my hands kept slipping. Yeah, you need to <laughs> you need to be hanging on to the ladder, yes. especially as it's descending into, into uh, a dark an hole. In, infinite abyss. But yeah, that was the Oh, great fun though. Yeah, no, we, we suggest that everyone do that. And, and on this one, I thought this was funny is in the description, and I don't know what the description says now of this tour, but it says you must bring with you a certain number and types of batteries mm-hmm. for the headlamps. And they it says in the description like 10 times right. in bold and under underlined. And then, of course, half the people showed up and they're like, the what? We need what? I know. We need batteries. And then they, they send them all to the gift store to buy, buy the batteries. <laughs> so a couple other... Uh, tours that we have not done that are on my list, and I love these names. There is Slaughter Canyon and not, Hall of the White Giant. Yeah, not, not doing those. <laughs> the Hall of the White Giant says, if you don't mind getting dirty, crawling through tight passageways, and climbing slippery flowstone, you might want to try the Hall of the White Giant tour. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm out. I've, <laughs> I've, I've seen all I need. That's, that's a... That's an immediate no. <laughs> it does say this trip is not recommended for anyone afraid of tight spaces or heights. So I don't know about that. We'll have to see. And there's a, still another one called Left Hand Tunnel. So a lot of great choices. And again, you can read all the descriptions online to see if this is something that sounds fun to you. But, you know, I think the chance to explore some of these caves that are not open to the general public is just, it's the chance of a lifetime, right? Yes, it is. It is. I'm going to go stick my hand in a meat grinder while you're doing this. So another once in a lifetime opportunity that poke myself in the eye with a sharp stick. <laughs> so, so I'll be I'll be doing that while you're doing the squeeze or the pinch or whatever okay, they call it. Belly crawling. The belly crawling. Mm-hmm. The other thing too is is that these rangers they do these tours, you know, every day, and they are so experienced and they know what they're doing and they're a wealth of knowledge and they're you know their main goal is safety, right? I know some of these descriptions make it sound really scary, but these rangers are are there to make sure that the the people get out <laughs> in one piece. Get out! Isn't there one like called Poison Spider Cave or something? Yeah, there is. Yeah, not doing that one either. You're not doing that one. Uh-uh. Okay. All right, so that's that's the Carlsbad Cavern segment of today's episode. All right, moving on. This next one we're going to talk about is a national monument in the heart of the Navajo Nation in Arizona, and this is called Canyon de Chez. Yeah, it's spelled C-H-E-L-L-Y, but it's not pronounced that way. It actually comes from a Navajo word meaning among the canyons or among the rocks. They call it a mini Grand Canyon. It has these spectacular sheer walls, and it has a lot of ancestral Puebloan ruins that are nestled down at the base of these cliffs. So there are some breathtaking views, just like in the Grand Canyon, and of course, this cultural history that spans over 4,000 years. Yeah, and people still live down there. 
Yes, the Navajo community continues to live in the canyon, and they raise crops, they tend their flocks of sheep, and they also cultivate peach orchards. This monument was established way back in 1931, and it's unlike the other national park system units in that the U.S. government doesn't own the land within the boundaries of the park. It co-manages the park with the Navajo Nation. So that is something that's very special, and it, it, it affects your entire visit to this amazing place. Right, and in order to go on a tour there, it has to be guided by a uh, a Navajo. Right, an right. authorized guide. Yeah, and we, mm-hmm. we were fortunate enough to have a park ranger that led our tour. He was Navajo and grew up in the area, and, and he added a lot of just firsthand color to the description of the canyon. He did. And so the way this works is this is not a tour that you sign up in advance for. This is not a recreation.gov tour. So when you go to visit the park, you go to the visitor center, and then you sign up in person at that time. They can tell you what's available with the park ranger. And it's free. And when we did it, this tour was a couple of hours long. We hiked down into the canyon. It's not like hiking down into the Grand Canyon, though, is it, Matt? It's no, not, no you're, yeah. you're hiking down and back out. It's it's not that long of a of a hike. But, no, it's um, not nearly as strenuous. Yeah, but I thought it was super interesting. It when, was. When we, we saw a lot of cliff dwellings. And the amazing thing, too, was our Navajo guide, Ranger Henry, he had so much information, not just about the park and not just about the history, but about the Navajo people, the way they live, what they believe. And so you get an entire higher history and cultural lesson, and you're down in this incredibly beautiful canyon. Yeah, he was uh, very proud of the National Monument. I think the the Navajo people really take a lot of pride in that land and the fact that it's in the National Park Service. Uh, He was a a young ranger. He was still in university, still Mm -hmm. taking classes, uh, finishing his degree. And uh, but his his plan was to make a career out of being a a National Park Service employee. And I think that that was a pretty much a coveted job amongst folks in, in that area. That's right. And we saw on Instagram that he is still a ranger there. So it's been 10 years since we were there and had him as our guide. And he is still there uh, taking people down into the canyon. So if you visit this park, there is a North Rim Drive and a South Rim Drive. You can do that on your own. You can drive to the overlooks and look down. But again, if you want to hike down into the canyon, it is off limits unless you are with an authorized Navajo guide. For those of you who've been there in the past, you used to be able to hike down to this ruin called the White House, and that is now off limits. They have closed that hike. So your chance to go down into the canyon will only be with, um, with a ranger-led tour. Yeah, and we do recommend doing those uh, rim drives because those those were spectacular. Mm-hmm. That's right. And just south of there is another amazing National Park Service site. It's a National Historic Site, the Hubble Trading Post. And on paper, you would think, how interesting could this be? But we visited this recently, and it was interesting. And just putting it in the con- the historical context of the area. The Hubble Trading Post is the oldest operating trading post on the Navajo Nation. It's been selling goods and Native American art since 1878. So when you go to visit, you're going into this mercantile, and they're selling all kinds of things, some park service t-shirts and things, but then you go into these back rooms, and they have Navajo jewelry and Navajo rugs and just incredible works of art. But the really cool thing is, so we visited one time, and we went in, and we thought, well, this is nice. But then the second time, we were just there in October, and when we were in the store, a ranger came in. And he asked us if we wanted to do a tour. And of course, you know, we wouldn't say no to that. So he took us to a building behind the trading post, which was the Hubble home. Yeah, and it's not a very big house. I I don't know how many rooms, but I I think it was big for for its time. And Hubble, who started and, and ran this trading post, one of the things he did was collect Native American artwork. And he befriended an artist of the time, Elbridge Burbank, who's famous for having drawn the portraits of, gosh, I don't know how many different Native American peoples. 1,200. 1,200. Okay. So in the house, there is the most complete collection of Burbank 
drawings, original drawings, anywhere in the world. Yes. And they were in the house, and they were just incredible to see. And he was the only artist to paint Geronimo from life. And that that portrait of Geronimo is hanging on the wall. So this this tour, and it's short. Again, you're, you're walking into the main part of the house, and you're looking in all the rooms. They've left the house decorated exactly as it was around 1900, and they have the most incredible collection of artwork hanging on the walls that you might ever see in a National Park Service site. And we had Navajo Ranger Alvis giving us the tour. And once again, as we mentioned in Canyon de Chez, he was such a wealth of information about what was going on at the time, what's currently going on, the Navajo people. It was one of the most amazing tours we've done. Alvis did a great job. Alvis with an A. So, sounds like Elvis, but, right. but, but mm-hmm. with an A. And one of the interesting things about his presentation is he talks you know, about all about the Hubble family, uh, about Burbank, and then explains to us the significance of the artwork in the house. And as kind of a surprise at the end, Alvis told us his last name, mm-hmm. Burbank. Yes. So yeah, there's so there's this park ranger has a little bit of a connection to the Hubble history. So it was fascinating. If you go to the Hubble Trading Post, be sure to ask about a ranger-led tour. I don't know if they have these scheduled at certain times. Again, he just walked in and asked us, and there were a few other visitors as well, if we all wanted to do a tour. So it might be more of a spontaneous thing, but definitely check out, see if Ranger Elvis is there, and if you can go take a peek inside the Hubble home, because it's fascinating. Yeah, we happen to be there on a Sunday, so they might do more on the weekends. But anyway, yeah, check it out. Okay, moving on to Arches National Park and the Fiery Furnace Ranger-led tour. We talked about this in great detail again in episode number three, way back, back when we were, what, just kids in episode number three? <laughs> back when we, yes, young, youngsters. <laughs> that was episode, a couple years ago. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. This is an area that you can go on self-guided, but we don't recommend your first time in the Fiery Furnace to be self-guided, unless you're with somebody who's experienced in the area because you will get lost. So what we did is our first time in the Fiery Furnace, we did a ranger-led tour. Yes, and that was very helpful. It's about a a two-and-a-half-hour tour. They call it moderately strenuous. Now, the reason they call it that is because there are a few times you have to use your hands to scramble up through, you know, maybe a narrow crack or along a narrow ledge. I know, Matt, there was... There were a few ladies when we went that oh, you had to kind of boost them a little. Bit. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was boosting them from the front. I, I grabbed their hand. I didn't do any rear boosting. I, I wouldn't do that. But this fiery furnace area is basically a maze, and there are a lot of wrong turns. You're just kind of wandering through there. So it was really great to go with a ranger because, of course, she knew where she was going, even if we didn't. Uh, but it was so much fun. It was like being a kid again. The scrambling, it's beautiful in there. It's really unlike any place we've we've been. Yeah. In, in addition to the ranger making sure that you actually get out, uh, she gave us a lot of great information about just the, the natural aspects of the area, like the cryptobiotic soil crust. And this is something that um, makes total sense when it's explained, but it, I don't think it's intuitive that you would know this if um, somebody didn't explain it to you. The ground, when it's undisturbed, uh, microorganisms build up on the crust of the soil, and it actually facilitates growth of other uh, organisms. It facilitates the growth of plants. It helps prevent erosion. So there's a lot of really positive things for the environment when the soil is undisturbed Mm -hmm. and just like a single footprint can destroy that. Right. So you got to stay off of that. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons, especially in Utah, you absolutely want to stay on the trail. And, you know, we didn't know any of this. So it was a very valuable lesson we learned then about not ever stepping off the trail and, and the damage that can be done. I know the other thing she told us about, I think she was kind of a botanist. She knew a lot about plants. She knew a lot. She told us that uh, we were looking at a juniper berry tree, and she was telling us that juniper berries are medicinal. And so I know, Matt, you translated that into... It's not... I I did not translate... (laughs) 
this this is something that other people I don't know if it's a wives' tale or is just a popular folklore, but a lot of people believe that. So first of all, juniper berries and a lot of gin is the botanical flavoring, and there is speculation that one of the reasons why gin and tonics become popular in the fall is because of the medicinal properties of juniper berries, and it prevents colds. Right. Right? So that's why we have a gin and tonic every night all through the we're winter. Just <laughs> trying to take care of our health is what we're doing. Yeah. I don't know it's if there's healthy. any truth to this, but it's it's a, a great story to support our gin and tonic drinking in the fall. Anyway, again, currently I'm not sure if they are doing the ranger-led tour in Fiery Furnace because of COVID. I'm sure they'll bring it back. So check on the park website and see if it's back and how you can get tickets to this because it's great fun and uh, we would recommend it to anybody who has a little bit of a sense of adventure. Yeah. <laughs> so one more ranger-led tour because the truck is running. Okay. Dry Tortugas National Park in southern Florida, as far, literally as far as south as you can go in Florida. Yeah, it's about 70 miles west of Key West, Florida. And uh, Dry Tortugas National Park is only accessible by boat or seaplane. And it's it's made up of seven islands, but most people go to Garden Key, where the 19th century Fort Jefferson is. Yeah, when we talk to people about uh, Dry Tortugas and, and they ask us, well, where is that? And we say it's 70 miles west of Key West. They say, well, no, that can't be because there's nothing west of Key West. <laughs> and that is correct, except there is a Civil War era fort in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. Yes, and it's very cool. And I'm just going to do like a 60-second history channel okay. <laughs> right here. After the War of 1812, a group of forts all the way from Maine down to Texas was envisioned to provide defense for the United States. Fort Jefferson was built to protect the southern coastline of the United States and the lifeline of commerce to and from the Mississippi River. So the fort was planned to be the greatest of all of these forts. And it is a pretty impressive fort. You know what's interesting about that, though? So it took 30 years to build from 1846 to 1875, but they never fully finished it, and they never fully armed it. Right. And so part of what happened was, and I'll just do my own little history channel <laughs> portion here from, from memory, is like halfway through building it, the Civil War happened, and this fort remained in... Union controlled the entire Civil War. So even though it was the southern part of the United States, the southern tip of the United States, the Union controlled this, but they were in the middle of building it. And the Confederacy stopped supplying bricks to the government to build the fort. And so they had to ship bricks from Maine, all the way from Maine down there to, to keep building the fort. And you can see where those bricks start because they're a different color. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of interesting. But I, I think it's just fascinating that this little teeny tiny piece of America stayed in the Union, even though it was deep into uh, the Confederate territory during the whole war. And so this is stuff that you will learn on the Ranger-led tour. Now, when you go to the island, we went on the Yankee Freedom boat out of Key West. And then when you get off onto the island, your time is your time to do what you want. You can wander the fort, you can go to the beach and hang out and snorkel and swim. Or if you want to, you can do the ranger-led historical tour, which is what we did. And we learned all kinds of these amazing gems, including the story about Dr. Samuel Mudd. So Dr. Samuel Mudd was uh, convicted of aiding John Wilkes Booth after he assassinated uh, President Lincoln. And I guess Wilkes uh, broke his leg in the process of the assassination, trying to get away, get out of the theater. Somehow he ended up at, at Mudd's house, and M Mudd assisted him, fixed up his leg. And later this was found out, and he was convicted of aiding and abetting this you know, assassin. And so they sentenced him 
to prison in Fort Jefferson. Right. And he was there for a long time. And that is where the expression came from, your name is mud. Yeah, that's not a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. But another interesting thing is Fort Jefferson was used as a prison for criminals and deserters during and after the Civil War. So it had a lot of different purposes and uses. But The history is fascinating. Walking through this incredible structure, 16 million handmade red bricks, by the way, I I found that little fun fact online. It's really a great tour. And you, you get to go in these in different areas of the fort and find out all kinds of fascinating things. So if you're going to go all the way to Fort Jefferson, we would recommend doing the Ranger Lit Tour there. And again, this is something that's free. You don't have to sign up in advance. It's just you show up and, and find out when it is. Okay. And in addition to tours, I know a lot of them are just called tours, but there are ranger programs mm-hmm. in parks that are also very interesting. I know we we attended a, a ranger program in Bryce Canyon National Park where they were catching bats. Yes. That was kind of interesting. It was. It was interesting. So apparently bats live in the attic space of that Bryce Canyon Lodge right there on the rim. And so this was an evening program. And at dusk, we went to the back. They had these nets set up so that when the bats flew out of this attic space, they would hopefully catch a few and then show them to us up close and personal. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And then at Isle Royal, remember the at that national park, we attended a program about the the wolves on the on the island. And mm-hmm. at Phantom Ranch, we played a Grand Canyon Jeopardy game. And, and you loved that because you knew yeah, all yeah. the answers. <laughs> so yeah, there's in, in addition to the tours, there's a lot of great programs also to look for. Yeah, and so in the intro, when I said it was quite an education. You know, we weren't kidding about that. I think the things that you will learn on these tours, whether it's about the park's history or the culture or the flora and the fauna, these are things that you will never learn on your own. So check out all the ranger-led programs because some of them you will have an adventure and some of them you will uh, just get to see things you wouldn't get to see otherwise. Yeah, and you can squeeze through holes inside caves (laughs) or... or Sit in the parking lot and stick a stick in your eye while your wife does that. Thank you for tuning in today. If you have any other ranger-led tours that you've enjoyed, we would love to know about them. Please drop us a line at mattandkarensmith at gmail.com. Also, send your mailbag questions, any positive comments. Money. They could Venmo us. Just send money. Yeah. <laughs> money. Yeah, we'll just publish our Venmo account and just no. send it to us. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll be back next week with a really great episode. We don't know what we don't know what that episode's going to be about yet, but it's going to be great. It will be. Now great. I know what it's going to be about, but I'm not. I'm not saying you have to tune in next week. Am I not going to be part of it? Well, because <laughs> I don't know what it's about. <laughs> you'll have to tune in next week and find out. Yeah, we're hitting the road, so uh, for the rest of May, we're going to be somewhat spontaneous, and uh, who knows what we'll be talking about. Yeah, we certainly don't know, but you could probably count on History Channel and maybe some crying (laughs) from Karen, (laughs) maybe some mispronounced words, inappropriate laughing. There you go. Me, me, me. (laughs) Well, you are really selling it, man. (laughs) I am. Tune in next week. (laughs) 